He died. He was buried. He arose. He is seated at the right hand, in authority. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him, that the communication of your faith may become effective by the precise, accurate knowledge of every good thing which is in you, in Christ Jesus. 2018. Knowing Him. Knowing me. Welcome to Yakal House, a New Testament church. And now, our senior pastor, Prophet Gilbert Osei. Three weeks, we've been tweeting the ABC of salvation. I, as a pastor of this church, by the grace of the Holy Spirit, decided to take us back to the basis because it is very common that you get born again or you just enter church. And the first thing you hear is how to succeed. The topic of that day is, where are my enemies? Today I even saw one. This nonsense must stop. So if you go to church and that's the theme of the topic, the first time of going to church, and all they are talking about is this nonsense must stop. The enemy that is from your father's house, so, a lot of people sit in church, they can't even defend this God we serve. We don't know much of Christ. We know much of material things. We can't even, simple, simple things about salvation, like we think that in salvation we give our life to Christ, so you can lose the life you gave to Christ. And pastors make altar call, come and give your life to Jesus. And through accurate learning we have studied that in salvation you are not the giver in salvation you have nothing to give ephesians chapter 2 from verse 1 he said you who were dead in your sins and your trespasses you have you quickened you were dead so how can a dead person give a life the life itself is dead so what do you give and there is no way that in salvation you give your life it is christ who gives it is you who receives John 3.16, for God so loved that he gave his only begotten son. Salvation, whosoever receive, he came unto his own, his own receive him not. To them that receive him, to them he gave. If God freely gave his son, how much more? So God is always the giver, you are always the receiver. That's very fundamental when it comes to Christianity. Number two, we learned that in salvation, it is not a joint venture between you and God. You are not a participator in salvation. You are just a benefactor. You just benefit from God's work. God's work of grace, you receive it. For by grace you are saved. Ephesians 2 verse 8. Through faith, not of yourself. It is a gift of God. Salvation is a gift. So you don't participate in salvation. You don't. You don't play any part. You are just a receiver. That great salvation. So we appreciate God for what he has done. So if I understand that all that Jesus did, can you imagine, I said on Thursday, that Jesus died as you and for you. Jesus died as you. He is not a sinner. Yet he died a sinful death. Why? Because he took upon him our sins. So he died as you. And he died for you. Paul said my old man died with Christ on the cross. Not his father, the old man. His old self said my old man died with Christ on the cross. So in salvation, I am just a receiver of the finished work of God. 
He says, least any man should boast. The reason why it is God's work is that he said, it's not of yourself. Least you go and say, do you know how I try to give my life to Jesus? You don't give anything. You just receive the life he has given you. So when I come to God, when I come to church, I come with a heart of gratitude. Because what he did, I couldn't do for myself. I can't save myself. I can't live for myself. So in his salvation, I have eternal life. Then the previous week, we also took it a step further. That even the faith in salvation is a product of the message. So even in salvation, it is not your faith. Because the faith comes from the message. For faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. He says the message we preach. So salvation is so much a gift that there is no human effort to it. God produces the faith. You receive the faith. Then we went further. We said, not every, nobody is an automatic believer or an automatic unbeliever. You see people, they don't go to church, oh, these unbelievers. No. Biblically, a believer is somebody who has heard the gospel and have faith in the gospel. Then you become a believer. An unbeliever is somebody who heard the gospel and did not believe. But if somebody has not heard the gospel, you can't call the person an unbeliever. Bible says, according to, I think it's Romans chapter 10 verse 14. He says, how would they, am I right? How then shall they call on him whom they have not what? Believed. How would they believe if they have not what? Heard. How would they hear if somebody is not what? Sent to them. So you can't call me a believer or an unborn believer if I have not heard the message. The message is what makes you either a believer or an unbeliever. So there is no automatic. So people have not heard the word. Somebody is born in India. Never had the opportunity to hear the word. How will God judge such a person? How can I write an exam for something that I have not heard of? I didn't enroll in the University of Ghana. And then when they are writing their final exams, they bring me my... How? So somebody asked me a beautiful question and I'll start from that from today. Somebody asked me a question. Okay, so if somebody does not hear the word of God, you don't hear the message. Okay, let me go back before I come to that one. We also came to a conclusion. What message do you preach? People go and preach hell, preach fear. If you don't give your life to Jesus, the second coming of Christ is coming. You will go to hell. Please. That is not the message. We've been Establish the fact that Jesus is not coming a second time. If anything, he's coming a third time. Because the second coming has already happened. If you don't come to church, you'll be confused. Don't think they have gone and left you. We just read the Bible and counted very well. First coming was incarnation, when the word became flesh. Second coming of Christ is when he said, it is good that I go. When I go, in John chapter 14. He says, on that day, you will know that I am in the Father and you are where? In me. So Jesus' second coming was after his resurrection where he ascended to. Into our hearts. So if you believe Jesus lived in your heart. When he came first, he was in nobody's heart. But the second coming, he came into the hearts of men. And then there is the day of the Lord coming. Hallelujah. So when you say the second coming, you are not calculating well. You see, precise, accurate knowledge is important. That when we are able to defend the word as the word says, not what you think. Number two, we have been given a message to preach. So it's not any message. If you got saved by fear, 
you didn't get saved. If hell is the reason why you came to Christ, something is wrong. Because he didn't say go and preach hell. He said go and preach the good news. What is the good news? Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel is the same as the good news. For it is the power of God unto what? So it is the good news that the gospel that has the power for salvation. So if you are not preach the good news, the gospel, then what were you saved with? Hell? Hell doesn't get anybody saved. If they preach to you sin, it's like WHO people advising. It doesn't get anybody born again. What gets you born again, the spiritual birth happens when the gospel of his resurrection is preached. And you believe. Because not everybody believes he died and resurrected. If you believe, he said, therein, in the verse number 17, he said, therein, in the gospel, there lies the righteousness of God. That is where it is revealed. From faith to faith, we have explained that, from the old covenant to the new covenant, faith to faith, two different dealings of God with the people of God. From faith to faith. Therein, in the gospel, is God's righteousness revealed. So the message. So we make sure we don't go and scare people. I'm giving you last chance. You may die this evening. Then you are threatening people. Ah, uh-uh. Is it by force? That's not the character of God. God is too powerful to threaten. Whatever he says you do, he will do. So he doesn't need to threaten. When people are, you will see what I will do to you. They don't have it. Whatever you do, do it now. You don't talk place. No, no, no. God does not scare people. That's not his character. God preaches his love. He tells you what he has done for you. When you believe in what he has done, then you receive his life. So he said, go here into the world. Preach the good news. Other places he says, preach the remission of sin. It's the same thing. That your sins have been paid for. So don't go and tell people the way you are sinning. If Jesus come now, please don't preach morality. Preach grace. Preach the gospel of Christ. Hallelujah. So, somebody asked me an interesting question. After service, he said, Papa, if I don't hear the gospel and it can guarantee my eternal life, because you are judged based on hearing, if I don't hear, you have escaped. Then we shouldn't go and preach to anybody so that more people will be saved. So that's a very interesting question and it's good. Number one, unfortunately, pastors like me, we have preached to make people think, Heaven is the ultimate. I'm coming again. They preach to us that the best thing that can happen to you is to make heaven. But if you are a student of the Bible, you understand that the first thing that happens to you is you enter heaven. So heaven is not the last thing that happens to you. In fact, it's the first thing. Because you are seated together with Christ in the heavenly place. So heaven is not a reward. It's part of salvation package. So if we make heaven the ultimate... The reason I come to church is so that I will make heaven. You don't make heaven. Because, watch this, if it's all about heaven, the Bible should have just five chapters. Chapter one, in the beginning, God created man. Chapter two, man fell. Chapter three, Jesus came. Chapter four, he saved us. Chapter five, we went to heaven. Finish. Why this big book? Do you think all this 66 book is for heaven? Ah, no. How many times did even Jesus talk about heaven? How many times did the disciples talk about heaven? So salvation is not just heaven. It's about having the life of God. The life that was given to Adam that he 
did not believe to receive. That God wants us to live this life in peace, in authority, in power, in love. That when somebody hears of this good news, that I have been forgiven unconditionally. When you live with your neighbor, you forgive unconditionally. That there will be no more. We can live in a society. Can, if you have read Acts of the Apostles, the Bible says that none of the believers had need because everybody was each other's keeper. Nobody was covetous. Nobody was greedy. Your pain was somebody's pain. When Christ is preached, Christ is known, Christ is seen. We reflect his life. That people would desire to be part of us. But when we, the church, make materialism the subject, when they are prophesying to you, you are going to make a lot of money. You are going to be every prophecy is about material things. We sit and nobody has desire to live like Christ. A Christian can be offended and for months, they can't let go. They can even quote you and tell you, I can forgive, but I can't forget. But when you read the Bible, the Bible says he blotted out. Acts chapter 3 verse 19 and 20. Take me there. Acts chapter 3 verse 19 and 20. Repent ye therefore and be coveted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. He said that your sins may be blotted out. If you have been coming here, repent. It's not change your life. It's change your mind. And you can't change your mind if you have not heard the message. So when you go up from the 16, a message was preached. And when the message was preached and they accept, they changed their perception of God. So when I change my perception of God, it will reflect in my life. Because if I try to change my life, effort will fail. When I know I am in Christ and he is in me, I know I am the ambassador of Christ. And I have to, any situation that comes, I ask myself, how would Christ have behaved if he was in my shoes? So Jesus was insulted. What did he do? How did he respond to insults? Name names. They said things he has not said. How did he respond? You don't use your effort. You ask what he did. That's why the Bible says we mirror the word. So I look at what he did. He didn't gather people to pray against his enemies. He prayed for his enemies. He said, love those. Love your enemies. Love them. Pray for those who despisefully use you. He says, when you do that, then you shall be children. Then you are behaving like you are your father's child. Then you are behaving like your father's child. Then you are behaving. How do you respond to criticism? How do you respond to correction? So the life we live must be that life of Christ. Paul said, the life that I now live in the flesh is no more my life. Galatians 2.20 the life that I now live in the flesh. So when I accept Christ, I am expected to live the life in the flesh like Christ. Galatians I am, mm -hmm. chapter 2 verse 20. Aha. I am crucified with Christ. He says I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I Nevertheless, live. Nevertheless I live. Yet not I. Yet not I. But Christ liveth in me. But Christ is living in me. And the life which I now live in the And the life the flesh, which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God. I live by the faith of the Son of God. Who loved me. The and faithfulness gave. of the Son of God. Who loved me. 
and gave himself and for me. gave himself for me so when i live this life in the flesh i live it by his faithfulness what is his faithfulness he forgave me without even asking for forgiveness he died when i didn't ask him to die for me so everything i do i do based on his faithfulness that is why i forgive because he has forgiven me i love because he first loved of late too much studies is bringing me a lot of trouble just that i love the trouble just love it i'll be talking about worship and some things that people think they do to provoke god the truth is that there's nothing you can do to provoke god in fact he's not angry he doesn't want to be provoked so some people think that what they do causes god god is not reactive an all-knowing person can't react you react out of surprise but if god knows what you are going to do how is he going to react sometimes you confuse the old testament with the new the old testament they did things to please god and the sad thing is that the writer of hebrew says that those sacrifices and offerings god had no pleasure in them yet they did it year by year thinking they could attain something from god but the bible said but this man after he had offered one sacrifice for sin once and for all sat at the right hand of the father once and for all sacrifice so there is nothing i do to provoke god anything i do in christianity is an act of appreciation for the finished work of christ for the finished work for what he has done with a grateful heart i give with a grateful heart homework for your mind only where in the new testament in the epistles you hear worship just do the research for me where they did worship and the presence of god came down homework just go and do it as of apostles the closest you find let me help you like how your schoolmaster will give you homework and give you he says when we gather and you have a psalm you have a hymn you have an exhortation we don't sing it to god we sing to ourselves so when we sing worship we sing to confess what we are so the moment our songs don't reflect who we are there's problem so he says you are you are the righteousness of god he says, i am i want to be like you in my heart you are already like him how do you want to be something you already are you have the mind of christ because christ lives in you he gave that to you i don't need prayer to have my father's dna i'm praying father may i have the dna of my father lord oh jesus that's how when we are praying to be like jesus that's how we are praying somebody that gave birth to you you are god's child by birth by birth is a spiritual birth he told nicodemus the teacher he said have you been a, a teacher of the law you don't know this that except a man be born of the spirit and water like people say so the father is the spirit the mother is the water no greek conjunction is not always conjunction in the greek the bible was not written in english the English language is just 650 years old. Bible was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Amalek. So you have to understand. So sometimes Greek and and is not Mrs. Jesse Enum and Reverend Jesse Enum. That's end spirit and water. But in the Greek, it could also mean Mrs. Jesse Enum. Who is Reverend Mrs. Jesse Enum? So instead of two people, is one person with different. So except a man be born of water 
and spirit is except a man be born of water which is the spirit or spirit which is water water typifies newness new birth so when you read on you never see water again it's only spirit 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 because that is what he was trying to communicate so it's important that we accurately interpret the scripture hmm. Luke chapter 24 verse 25 Luke chapter 24 verse 25 This is Jesus and his he, he met his disciples in verse 16 they were talking about him the disciples of Jesus discussing Jesus and they were calling him a great prophet Charlie Sometimes when you hear some of the descriptions of, of us give God is sad Jesus has been with them for years he's spoken to them about what was going to happen and yet after his death they were saying something else about him. What does verse 16 say? Verse 16. Verse 16. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. 17. And he said unto them, What, what manner, manner of communication, communication are these that ye have one to another? Mm -hmm. As ye walk and are sad. Mm -hmm. And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering said unto him. He said unto Jesus. At thou Are you a stranger? a stranger? Can you imagine he's asking Jesus if Jesus is a stranger in Jerusalem about his own life? You are talking about me. And then you're asking me if I'm a stranger. Have I not heard? Uh-huh. <laughs> and has not known the things which are come to pass mm -hmm. there in these days. Mm -hmm. And he said unto them, What things? And they said, said unto, unto him, him concerning, concerning Jesus, Jesus of, Nazareth, of Nazareth. A good man. Which was a prophet, mighty a prophet. indeed and word before How God. How can his disciples know him as a prophet? They don't know him as God. And the whole three years, all he tried to explain to them, amongst his last sermon to them, when Philip asked him, Master, show us the Father. He said, Philip, have I been so long with you that you are asking me to show you the Father? Don't you know when you see me? So after his resurrection, they are still calling him a prophet. So it doesn't matter the number of years you have been in the Lord. It is not a guarantee for truth. Degrees in theology does not guarantee accurate knowledge. His disciples are calling him mighty prophet. After least, did they not hear him asking Peter and them, who do men say I am? And they said that, Elijah, that then he, so you have already brought up the prophet story before. And he says, I am not any of that. Then Peter said, thou art the Christ. The son. Then he said, this revelation takes the spirit of God to reveal. So I thought that truth has been established amongst all. But still, they are still calling him a prophet. So Jesus has to speak to them in a language they may understand. So let's go to 24, 25. 24, 25. He said unto them, Are ye fools? And slow of heart to believe. You are all slow of what? Oh, ye fools and slow of heart he was not talking about academic foolishness or societal values he was talking about biblical foolishness so that you can have a phd in business accounting or business whatever but you may not know the scriptures their dullness was not about no you can be the best in your field of work but the scriptures are different he said, oh, ye fools and slow of heart, slow of heart. How long is it taking you to understand this? Continue. To believe all that the prophet To believe all that. How long will it?
really take you to believe all that the prophets have said? Ought not Christ to have suffered these things? Ought not Christ to have suffered these things? So the things you are talking about, the casualness of how you see the death of Christ, how churches have turned this gospel. I said we major the minor and minor the major. They only talk about his death when he's about to die, Easter time. Easter is when you hear and Jesus died. When does the message that must be preached? Every day. Every day. You must hear of his death, burial and resurrection. And the benefits that it comes with. That is the message. But we hear other things. And then once a year. I like the other people who go and wear black. They wear black. They even have a shadow Jesus. Beat him up. Hosanna him. Kill him. And then on the Sunday they wear white. Oh Jesus. He said, oh, fools and slow of art. Continue, please. Verse 25. Then he said unto them, He oh, said fools, unto them, Oh, fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have said. So, fools and slow of heart, all is got to do with their mind, their set mind, their way of thinking. So, if there's a way of thinking, he has to address a way of thinking. Because, oh, fools and slow of heart is slow of mind. The heart is the same as the mind. So, the, their challenge was their mind. Their thinking pattern. So Jesus has to address thinking pattern. Continue. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and, and all beginning the prophets. At Moses. Mm-hmm. And all the prophets. Mm-hmm. He expanded unto them he in all the scriptures. He expanded unto them in all all the scriptures he expanded unto them in all the scriptures things that concerns him because their problem was that they didn't know him a lot of a lot of a lot of us men of god cannot expand christ with the scriptures pastors are teaching philosophy they are very good at psychology 14 steps to deal with anxiety uh-uh. are you sure you are in the right field you are dealing with anxiety 14 steps. When you wake up in the morning, yawn. Step one. Oh God. And Christ is limited. <laughs> Go to verse 32 because of time. Verse 32. And they said one to another. They said one to another. Did not our heart bend within us? Did not our heart bend within us? While he talked with us by the way. Whilst he talked with us by the way. And while he opened to us the scriptures. Whilst he opened to us. They are saying he opened to us the scriptures. He didn't open to them the scriptures. He opened rather their mind. Because the problem was their mind not the scriptures. You see the scriptures can never be written again. What has been written has been written. But your ability to see it as it has been written. That's where the problem is. So he opened up. They think he opened up the scriptures, but he opened up their mind to the scriptures. The word open. Open is a Greek word. Dinojo. D-I-A-N-O-I-G-O. D-I-A-N-O-I-G-O. It means to open something that is blocked. Let's go to 44. Verse 44. And he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you. Hold on. Let me say that. I said the open, the dinogio, means to open something that was what? Blocked. So their minds were blocked to the truth of the gospel. 
that all that they happened and saw as a good man who was wrongly killed and accusing the Jews was rather a fulfillment of prophecy they could not see. So the relevance of the scriptures, they didn't know. If you don't take care, you'll be coming to church and you don't know the relevance of church. We have turned church into solving problems. So the moment the church is not solving your present need, you think there is no need to go to church. But church is to know Christ and to live in the liberty where he has set you free. And when you walk in that liberty, your needs will be met. But the problem is that we make our needs the reason. So if somebody's job is doing well, they don't need to come to church. If they don't have marital problem, what is the need? The moment they start slapping them, they'll be looking for church. Because they have turned the church into solution centers. In fact, it's not your problem. That is how the marketer market it to you. Come to my church. My prophet is chapel. He will mention your date of birth. My prophet, oh, he's deep. So that is what you were told. So most of the time, people go to church based on what they were told. Wrong evangelist told you, come to Jesus. All your poverty will go. Yet the person who is preaching to you is poor. I just called a friend of mine because I saw his advert. He's doing a program how to become a billionaire. And I know, even the Milo, he's not there. <laughs> so I asked him, how was he going to billow them? Because even the Milo, I know he has not millowed, except he's deceived because it's not been long he asked for a loan. So I'm wondering if he has the secret to being a millionaire. That is, so he didn't even say millionaire, billionaire. Kingdom billionaires. So I was wondering how he was going to give them when he needs it more. At least if he can't get the billow, he should need the millow. So why are you? Why are you? Somebody teaching 14 cents to have a mega church. Do you have a mega church? Why are you teaching what you, can, you don't have? If you have anointing for prosperity, please start with your mother. Because I know your mother is suffering. Sometimes I wonder, that anointing you claim to have, start from your home. Make your brother billionaire. Your brother is suffering. Yet God has given you a special anointing. I don't know if your, 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 your anointing has a repellent with your family. So don't, don't, don't go and sell something that Jesus is not selling. Come and you take away all your problems. So when people come to church and they face problems, they don't understand. Because that's not what they were told. They were told that Jesus will solve all their problems. They didn't tell you that many are the trials of a righteous man. He didn't add that one to it. That for the sake of the gospel, we go through trials and tribulations. Day by day, Paul said we are pressed on all sides. Yet are we not despair. If you want to stand for this gospel, it comes with its challenge. So that it is not strange when we see a, a, a brother go through something. What we do is not to stand and gossip and what's up. We stand in prayer with the person. Because we understand this is what the kingdom is about. But if you are told a, a quick fix. And there is a bottle of oil. That can transform your life. Destiny changing oil. And I'm wondering Jesus even didn't have one. I told somebody if Jesus had anointed to make millionaires. Please he should have given his mother before he died though. Because his mother followed him to the end. Even to the cross, she was there. So before he went, he should have said, Mama, please go under my bed. The one behind Papa's door. I've hit one bottle of oil there. Go and pour it on your... Or go and start a provision shop. You will do well, Mama. In my name, you will sell many products. When he told the disciples, he says, All authority, all power in heaven and on earth has been given to you. I give it to you. Whatsoever you will permit... I give you power to trample upon serpents and scorpions. If Jesus has anointing to take away poverty, brethren, in his church service one day, Judas complained of poor people. What did he say? He said, for the poor you have with you always. 
Is that not enough to let you know? He said, the poor you have with you. In fact, in his own ministry, there were needs. Ah, they didn't have money to pay their tax. He said they should go into the sea to go and open the mouth of the fish. Why is his offering? So, sometimes when you have a church, you have a ministry, you have a life, you have a business that you go through need. They think it's strange. Even Jesus' ministry have need. If they didn't have need, Peter won't go and look for security. He's looking for social, so, social security. Say, Jesus, please, before you go, I want to ask you a question. We have left everything to follow you. What exactly is a retirement package? <laughs> what exactly is the retirement package? Because the guy doesn't see his way front. Because you made a lot. We know when you are coming, you are coming to take the kingdom. So when I hear some pastors say wonderful things, that the kingdom of this world will transfer to believers. Be sitting there. You think it's mobile money. <laughs> so it will transfer to you. Jesus is not transferring any kingdom to anybody. You don't go and work. Which school did you attend? That they will transfer and make you minister of what? Minister of nothing. Ask for that one you can get. After his resurrection, they asked Jesus in Acts chapter 1. He said, when are you restoring the kingdom? They want to find out. They want to find out. He asked chapter 2. He said, when are you restoring the kingdom back? Then he said, oh, you shall receive power. Is it asked chapter 2 that he says they will receive power? Ask one. Then it's asked one. He said, you shall receive power. One, one verse 8. Before the, the, the power, this power they were looking. They, this is not the power they were talking about though. They wanted kingdom power, kingdom transfer, money wealth transfer. What, what? That you wake up and one day don't go taste money will enter your account. Oh, hallelujah. I see. <laughs> Bill Gates money entering your account. They say amen. They are shouting amen. You are living in a dreamland. They went to ask Jesus. I think it's verse 4 or something. You know, if you find it. Verse 6. Verse 6 or 7. Is it? And when they asked, they asked it of him. Say, Lord, where will thou this time restore to us the kingdom to Israel? They think he was going to take it away from Pontius Pilate and the people. That's why they went to tell Pontius Pilate and the people that Jesus is the king of the Jews. And one of the reasons they killed Jesus was that they think he's come to take their throne. Because what they were looking for was physical kingdom. For his kingdom is not of this world. His domain. Kingdom is a place, is the same word as domain or authority. Our authority is not of this world. He says, ye shall receive power, dunamis authority. When the Holy Ghost come upon me, and that power we receive, you shall be my what? Witnesses. Not be bank manager. You are looking for power to what? To go and take somebody. I take your house, I take your house by fire. I possess. Say I possess. Be possessing. Hunger will kill you. How many years have you been possessing? You are still sitting there. You don't go and look for job. He said you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost come upon you. And when the Holy Ghost come upon you, you shall be what? Witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, in Judea, in all the uttermost part of the earth. We are witnesses. We are demonstrators of his power. We preach the good news. We heal the sick. We preach his forgiveness to people. That is what the kingdom is about. The kingdom of God is not about this world. It's not about eating and drinking. It's about power. Not human power. Not governmental power. If you want to be in government, go and join a political party. Work hard. Grassroots, they will vote you. Assemblyman, assemblywoman, you graduate somewhere. If you think you have oil to make somebody. Look, if anybody has anointed to make anybody, even less, smallest one, even MP, 
Let the person not join any political party. Bring the person to your church. Pour out your oil on the person and see if the person will win. No, no, no. If you want to show us your power, that really you have anointing to enthrone, just call anybody. Then we will know you have anointing. But if after you come and take the olive oil, you still go to party meeting, let me use that, you still go and cheat. Still, some of them after the prayers and the anointing, they still go and do ways and means. Ah, you took anointing, just relax. Ah, why, you don't trust the anointing again. Just allow the anointing. It will be tampered. People will just get into the voting box and they want to put it at men's hands. Oh, then they put it on you. Anointing is working. When Jesus came in Matthew chapter 11, he looked at them and he said, All the prophets from Genesis till now, John the Baptist is the greatest. Ah, Elijah, he said there shall be no rain for three years and there was no rain. How dare you compare Elijah with John the Baptist? What about Moses? Moses was a prophet. The Bible says, if there is a prophet amongst you, I speak to him in vision. But my servant Moses, I speak to him face to face. God told him, I'll make you a prophet. I'll make you a God. And Aaron will be. And upon all of them, Jesus said, John is the greatest. And I look at his CV. He didn't call telephone number. No date of birth. He didn't even heal the sick. Not even one headache. Elijah made barren women have children. John, bring your profile. The only prophecy, even that one self, if I have to investigate that prophecy of John, it even looks okay. Because it is prophecy. In John chapter 1 verse 29, the Bible says the next morning. Another translation says the next day. See, the beautiful thing about reported speech. That's why we don't build doctrines in, in the Gospels. Because somebody is saying the next day. Somebody is saying the next morning. Eyewitness report. Everybody and how they see you. So some say the next morning. Somebody says the next day. It doesn't matter. That's not the fact. That's not the, the main subject. He said, and when John saw Jesus coming, he said, behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. The only prophecy. Then I asked myself, ah, he said not his cousin. Or it's a different one. So he saw Jesus coming and said, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. So maybe that deep prophecy is ability to reveal that Jesus is the taker of the sin. One prophecy has cancelled all the Jeremiah, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Remiah, Zogaya, Zigede, Ephani, Sephani, all of them. All their prophecies. Jesus said, Put that one aside. He says, amongst all men that are born of women, none is as great as John the Baptist. Wow. And his prophecy was revealing Christ. So if they tell you you are going to marry, the man you are going to marry likes green soup. He wears blue shirt. He likes pointed shoe. Forget those things. Is the prophet able to reveal Christ? Jesus said, John is the greatest amongst them all. Then I thought he would end that conversation and that sermon. He continued. He says, but in the kingdom of God. In that kingdom that is coming. John is the least. Hey! John is the least in the kingdom of God. Then somebody wants the anointing of Elijah. Even John, who is greater than Elijah, is the least. Then you, that house the spirit of God. John never had the spirit of God living in him. Elijah never. They all had it come upon them for a while. But your 
body is the temple of God. Your house, you are the house of God. You house God. A whole God. His resident is inside of you. His residence. His residence. His residence. How they love to see my day. All of them love to see that day. When the son of man will give human beings the opportunity to accommodate God in their lives. Whereby when you are looking for God's address, you say God lives in Gilbert. House number one. Then everybody can personally say that God lives in your heart. That miracle that the human mind cannot understand. So when you see somebody greater than John the Baptist, Searching after a prophet to pour something on them. Then you know that you have lost who you are. And then you have put your faith in a bottle of oil. Are you serious? Even Jesus that had not died. How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost. Not with the anointing oil. Acts chapter 10 verse 38. How God anointed. It's 38. How God anointed Jesus. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with what? With the Holy Ghost and Ladies and gentlemen, power. let me teach you for free. In the days of old, the olive oil was a representative of the Holy Spirit. So when the Spirit of God is now come, now that we have seen the original, no need for shadows. Hmm. He that is to come has come. Because the moment after Christ's death, we still put our faith in things. Then there is a problem. Because the, that which has been exalted and lifted is Christ Jesus. Paul said, when I came to you, the only thing I sought to know was Christ. Him crucified and him resurrected. There was no service about anointing service. There was no service. Gathering of saints. In the early church, they were graduating. So some things they started later, they stopped it. So at the beginning, they met people and I poured oil on their head. But find out when they went to preach if they were carrying bottles of oil. And yet the Holy Spirit fell on people. Healings happened without anointing oil. That is why the book of Acts of Apostles is not a book for doctrine. I've explained it a thousand times. You may quote, the Bible says when the sick is sick, may take oil. let the elders take oil and anoint. I've told you that in the Greek, in their tradition, not every oil is olive oil. It's only in Ghana, every oil is olive oil. Bodges, every oil is bodges. Oil sometimes signifies medicine. Because in Jesus' parable about the good Samaritan, when the good Samaritan rescued the injured man, the Bible says he put oil in his wound. Was it bodges? So if the sick person in Jesus' parable, they put oil in the wound, then he says when the sick is sick, take oil. So those of you who hate medicine, both of you who think, my pastor says I shouldn't take medicine. You die. I believe in divine healing. I have seen divine healing. But I'm not against medicine. The devil can't manufacture medicine. Sometimes pastors, let me say myself. Sometimes, Prophet Gilbert, I am not honest. So sometimes I'm taking medicine in my house. And I'm telling you don't take. Sometimes my faith is not your faith. I've had situations because of faith. I didn't take medicine. I got healing. It's my faith. Don't buy my faith. Your level may not be my level. So don't kill yourself. Don't wait to die. When you die, we'll bury you. I'm still believing God for that anointing to raise the dead. I've not tried it. I've not even tempted. So please, do everything to stay alive. Are you hearing me? It's very sad. Some people, the moment they are sick, the first thing they do is to run to a prayer camp. 
And you have sickness and you are running to prayer camp. And they are giving you concussions. Some of you, it's your BP that is high. Yet they are giving you oil to drink. And they're not wasting the situation. They waste your time. When they can't cure you, they say, you go to the nearest hospital. Please, on your way to the hospital, call me. Whilst you're on your way to the hospital, call me and I'll pray with you. Don't sleep. I go to the hospital. Even two days ago, I went. I have prayed for sick people before. I still pray. I believe in the power of God. But I never saw Jesus say, never take medicine. If he said it, I won't. So we don't preach an unbalanced gospel. People are dying out of ignorance in the body of Christ. I'm telling you, some of you, what you need is surgery. Because your faith can't take the miracle. That unique miracle of God. You can't. You, you, you don't even believe it. So go and lie down. Let them cut you and take that thing out of you. And come and walk and shake your body. If you make mistakes. People, people's sicknesses, if they had gone to the hospital early. I believe in divine healing. Don't get me wrong. I preach the Bible as it is. Why is at times we are forging miracles? We are training actors. You are not even properly healed. Pastor says you jump by force. There's a jump of faith. No question. Sometimes your, your effort can speed in the miracle. I know that. But sometimes it's not gone. They are forcing you to say it's gone. And people lose hope and stay in the house. So let me stay home. So that pastor won't be embarrassed. What is this? Because people don't know that the power of God is not for showmanship. Jesus never healed to show off. Jesus healed for compassion. And he was moved with compassion. And he healed the sick on compassion. But do and let's see is never the character of God. Today I will show you that I am anointed. That's not God. No! And he was moved with compassion. And went to the situation. He heard a man has been at the pool of Bethesda for 38 years. He heard. Compassion moved him. So Jesus opened the eyes of his disciples to the scriptures. Until your eyes are opened. This may stand foreign to you. Because you have been used to a different message. Somebody said, Papa, you used to give us hope. When we come, you say hopeful things. Now you are going too much on the Bible. I said, the hope is like, okay, it will fire you up. You go, ah, when you finish, you come for another injection. And all, most of them have false hope. Since the time they told you you will break through, have you broken through? How many years have they told you? You are next on the line. Has the line not even erased? What is this? I am not against hope. I trust God with you. That if you work hard and you do what you have to do, it will happen. I'm not against that. But I'm not a motivational speaker. I am a preacher of the gospel. I make you find yourself in Christ. So you dominate. So that you don't depend on any man. There is no mediator between God and man. Save Jesus. So that you don't build your hope on anybody's anointing. I respect anointing. I respect offices. But there's only one name that has been lifted above all names. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. He is the one that I preach about. And he wants you to know him. And know you are in him. So you can take your authority. He has done it. You live in freedom. You don't live in guilt. Let me end by saying this. I told them in the, in the morning service. In Cape Coast that. See. The reason why the church is conscious of sin. We celebrate sin. We celebrate negativity. Is the message we preach. We have preached sin. So even when you are, you are not sinning. You think you are sinning. Certainly I saw a very sad sad, sad. I was sitting on the net and I saw one powerful woman 
who was a very good actress. I don't know why she stayed. She didn't stay there. She said the Lord has called her into ministry. Praise God for God calling actors and actresses. But make sure you hear well. Because I can't imagine God called her to deal with wigs and lipstick and earrings. That the Lord told her that the devil is using wig, lipstick, cutest. The Lord. Which of the Lord? Because Apostle Paul didn't have that ministry. Where did you get your own from? And she's so passionate. Her whole boutique. She has thrown all the things away. Oh! I wish I saw her before she threw them away. Are you serious? How can God be so petty about the things you put on yourself? Let no woman wear a thing that pertains to a man. So you think it is trouser? Pertains to a man? Please, have you read your Bible that Paul used to wear skirts? Is skirts pertain to a man or a woman? What is wrong? Do you know what is cultural and what is biblical? Yeah, they are worried about covering your hair than knowing who you are in Christ. The people are putting on scarves to their going board. Yet they don't know anything about Christ. What is our message? Putting people under bondage when the work is finished, that we should work in his finished work. When we preach sin, 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 the Bible says, whatsoever you listen to is the one you become a subject of. You are a slave to who you listen to. Is he not tired from the pulpit? How many times have we mentioned Jesus? When you talk about sin, you make people conscious of sin. And Christ came to deliver us from the consciousness of sin. So when I talk to you more about Jesus, you become what? Jesus conscious. And being Jesus conscious, you won't do what you shouldn't do. Because as Christ, there are certain places Christ will not sit. Thou shalt not, don't change anybody. If the Lord didn't have fault, there will no need for another. That's what the Bible says. The law was a fault finder. The law was a sin preacher. Christ preaches the finished work of Christ. It's done. I believe I am the righteousness of God. He says, for in the gospel is the righteousness of God uncovered. So the righteousness of God had been covered by the law. But his resurrection unveils it. So when I walk and I know I am the righteousness of God. In fact, I am called holy. I am holy. Say, I am holy. Some of you, if you are saying it, you are even shaking. Because they have made you so sin conscious. What he has made you is what you are. I am the righteousness of God. He said you are a holy nation. He didn't say you acted and you became. He said you are. You are a royal priesthood. So why don't you go and get a throne? If they say you are a royal priesthood, that's why you have accepted it. When they say you are holy, they say, eh, I have to be careful what I do. Hmm. It's the same thing. It is a declaration on your life based on who gave birth to you. If the person who gave birth to you is holy, how are you not holy? Sometimes simple grammar, simple grammar is what is killing people. First Corinthians chapter 13 that says your body is the temple of God which is holy. Is that that place? 13, 16, 3, 16 or 3, 10, somewhere. 3, 6. Your body is the temple of God. You must be holy. First Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16. Ah. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Mm -hmm. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy. Which temple ye are? Okay, go back, go back. This is what I'm looking for. Go back, just go back. Have you seen that the temple in the second temple is in Italy? It means that it's not in the original. So he says, so if you remove temple, he says, which you are. So, you are what? You are holy. It's a simple thing. 
He's just telling you what you are. He says you are holy. He didn't say try and be holy. He says which you are. Anytime you see it in back, it means that the original translation, it wasn't there. He's telling you you are the temple of God. And the first one says God is holy. And then he says which you are. Ye are. You are holy. Not trying to be holy. He's just reminding you what you are. And when he talks about what defiles it, Paul was treating discord. Confusion is what defiles your holiness. Because God in his holiness doesn't quarrel with anybody. He was addressing, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he was addressing the division. Some say, I belong to Apollos. Some say, I belong to Paul. Say, Masa, Masa, Masa. There's no division. We are one. Don't you know? And when you bring, when you bring division, you are defiling the temple of God. And the temple of God is holy, which you are holy. Then they are using this to scare people. He's reminding you of who you are, not what you must be. You don't eat to become what you are. You are who you are because you were born like that. So when you read scriptures out of context, you create all sorts of imagination. This is a letter. And when you read, I've read from verse 1, chapter 1. He talks about, he heard of the confusion. Some are saying they belong to Apollos. Some say they belong to Paul. He says, there's no division. Nobody belongs anywhere. Christ is the foundation. So when we are being carnal, carnal is when we are setting confusion between this one doesn't talk to this person. This one greets this person. That's the things. Somebody asked me, I said, I'll talk about what grieves the Holy Spirit. People think smoking grieves the Holy Spirit. I didn't say smoking is good. But when he talks about what grieves the Holy Spirit, he was not talking about those things you think. Things like unforgiveness grieves the Holy Spirit. Because the spirit in you is a loving spirit. So how can a loving spirit be bitter? Rise up on your feet. This was a message from the General Overseer of Yakal House, Reverend Gilbert Osei. We are available anytime for prayer, support, and counseling. Please don't hesitate to call us on 0544-600-600. That's 0544-600-600. We love you, and there's nothing you can do about it.